Boy, oh boy, we really dug this one out of the boneyard, didn't we, Jiggy? Friendoritos, Jiggy and I are going to go deep on this one with an analysis you probably didn't see coming. A cartoon you most definitely passed on because you were too busy watching Gargoyles on ABC, and that's forgivable. But don't let it pass you by a second time, because it's so much more than a soulless husk of a marketing campaign for action figures. More on that right after this rad track. Let's go back in time, we can just hit rewind. What a terrific notion, it's cartoon commotion. Hiya homies and friendoritos, I'm Cade, your favorite cartoon weirdo, warning you to carry your sonic wave disruptors and listen to the every whim of your crazy uncles in the event of any possible skeleton-themed apocalypse. <laughs> and this is my incredibly talented banjo-playing little buddy, my pet pig Jiggy. Together, we rewind to the tunes of the 80s and 90s for a brand new perspective in your life nowadays. Jiggy and I stream live two times a month on Facebook and YouTube, so if you'd like to keep up with the commotion, you gotta click that subscribe button and follow us for updates. Uh, hold up! Uh, hang on a second, peoples. <laughs> we gotta do a couple shout-outs real quick. Um, thanks, Bunches to Sherry Edgen for buying us a Mondo Big Pack of Cookies, and Legion of Comics for being a new subscriber on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Of course, we're totally calling it a Buy Me a Cookie page. <laughs> yes, Jiggy, because we love cookies. And who doesn't, right? These two were super rad homies, jumping in at the last minute on our previous live episode, and then later on, John Ellis purchased another cookie for us, so thanks bunches to John, too! They are all three going to be treated to an extended Batman Mask of the Phantasm full movie breakdown. Uh, it's a video, and we're going to be calling these extended videos specials. And the more support we get, the more quality content we could stuff into them for our supporters. And if you'd like to get in on that... There's a link in the description on YouTube and the podcast notes or on the post on Facebook, wherever you might be currently listening or watching. A any platform you're on. If, you're a su if your support runs out before the specials are ready, I'll email them to you so you don't have to worry about missing out, okay? You, you will not. Okie doke. And real quick, just so that we don't forget, we are brought to you by the fine folks of the Cereal Box Network. They have a great Saturday morning show called The Back of the Cereal Box, and every week they discuss the pop culture of their youth. In case you'd like to check that out, I also occasionally guest on their show with my buddy Jiggy. Let's say hiya to everyone who's joining us in the chat right now. Let's see who's here. Julian, my friend Jay. Hiya, Jay. How you doing? Sherry Edgen, hi, howdy, howdy, hi, cartoon commotion. Hey, Jiggy Jiggy, <laughs> and okay, Kate too. I've been waiting for this show all day. Well, well, here we are. Thank you for, for being patient and being here with us. Jackson Elliott says, hi. Hiya, Jackson. Just popping in to say hi. We, we're good friends on Facebook. Sherry Edgen says, cookies good. Cookies good. <laughs> She also says, Yippee! I can't wait to see The Mask of the Phantasm, my favorite Batman cartoon. Yes, that movie was excellent. It, it, it just seems to get deeper every time I watch it. Alright, so if you'd like to join us in the chat, if you're watching and you aren't commenting, you're missing out because you could be part of the show. 
And I think I uh, mentioned, uh, I should mention this, but the previous live, I mentioned a guest host, um, I think, uh, but she bailed on us. That's okay, though, because I'm confident we've got loads of quality material here that you're gonna love. All right, so to kick things off, let's start the breakdown. There we go. And this is... Uh, Ooh, real quick, gonna pop over here. There we go. This is the title card. Welcome now, one and all, to the super way past, far out planet of Luminaire, where the ultimate power lies within the Light Star Crystal. This rad tale centers around the fierce battle for control over their world. Our main baddie, Baron Dark, is desperate to own said crystal and harness its mind-boggling power. Unfortunately for him, he only managed to snag half of it, while Prince Lightstar and co. got, their, uh, got, got the other half. But here's the major twist, homies. The half, that crystal, uh, the half of the crystal that Baron Dark got turned him into an immortal walking skeleton dude. <laughs> but oh wait, it gets worse because it also grants him the terrifying ability to transform those with evil hearts into an army of living skeletons just like him that cannot be killed. <laughs> they, they just, well, I guess, you know, immortal. Welcome to the skeletal apocalypse, friends. This is insane. We got another picture here. This is the planet of Lumiere. It's it's sort of Earthish, but you can see there's like another moon, and the, the one of the moons is kind of like Mars. So it's like a whole different thing, you know? It's, it's yeah. <laughs> It's an alien world. The Legion of Light lead the fight against the Skeleton Warriors, each trying to snag the other's half of their crystal. One side trying desperately to restore their world and the other to dominate it just because they can. Skeleton Warriors had just one season of 13 episodes, airing from September 17th of 1994 to December of that same year. Wait a minute. <laughs> hey. Hang on a second. That would mean that the anniversary is tomorrow. <laughs> it's it's going to be 29 years old nearing that big 3-0. <laughs> That's just radical timing right there. Uh, so happy anniversary, Skeleton Warriors. All right. So despite a video game, a toy line, and a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade appearance, the franchise majorly flopped. Alrighty, Jiggy. Strum us into our main, our, okay, that first topic, part one. Brace yourselves for the epicness that is part one. This isn't what it sounds like, is the title of part one. All right, before we get started, I'm going to kick off our uh, break, uh, the, the background music. There we go. The bodacious background track. There we go. All right. I can bet if you've never seen or even heard of this cartoon before, hearing the name Skeleton Warriors, your first impression was probably either, well, this sounds kind of spooky or this sounds cheesy. 
And it, I'm being honest when I say that it isn't really what it sounds like. It does have radeliciously cheesy moments for sure. But the seriousness of the situation sort of dominates that cheese a bit too much for you to just write it off as pure cheese and nothing but that. And we have another slide here. It's just representation of good and evil. The real value of the show, at least from my experience with it, is the strong contrast of good versus evil. On the left here we have Grimskull, and on the right we have Baron Dark, representing the Legion of Light and the Skeleton Warriors. It's a very basic idea, good and evil, but instead of making it just simple, it, it isn't just the struggle of evil on the outside for everyone to see. It's also kind of the struggle of the soul. More on that in just a little bit, okay? Because there's a lot to unpack there. And I think the confusion that you might have coming in is due to the name of the show itself, which is a lot like in Humanoids in that respect. And that's our next planned live episode topic, so be ready for some rad excavation on that as well. We have another slide up here, just coming back to the title. The This tune was the second cartoon to ever be named after the bad guys. That's what the title card is here for, hence the name Skeleton Warriors. It's the bad guys. Even though it aired in 1994, it didn't really try to learn from the mistakes of Inhumanoids uh, from its time in the year of 1986. Both shows had just 13 episodes, a single season. It, it just seems to be a common... Oh, agreed, Jiggy. They were both Mondo underrated shows and shouldn't be judged on their names alone. Totally true, little dude. At least, yes, totally true. At least try to get to know someone, alright? <clears throat> so th this is my analogy. If you don't at least try to get to know someone, you may never find out if you enjoy their company or not. And that's sort of what checking out these obscurities is compared to. So, let me tell you, we really like Skeleton Warriors a lot, don't we, Jiggy? Yeah, and we think you might too. <laughs> so this guy, here's a slide for you. This guy is the Golden Skull. That's what he's listed as in the credits on IMDb and everything, I guess. Uh, each episode of Skeleton Warriors started with the voice of Tony J talking to us through the best golden CGI skull head the 90s could possibly provide. <laughs> in his, as seen in this screenshot here um, on the video version of the show. So if you're listening, I apologize. You're going to have to come over to the video version sometime. But basically, it's a CGI golden skull with glowing red eyes. <laughs> the This head would appear at the beginning of the show and he would say, These are the tales of the skeleton warriors. And, and then it would come in after the theme song, and uh, it would always question us as the viewers of these tales with an incredibly critical moral. It just, it feels like we're supposed to take it away and ponder it, like just wonder about it after the episode is long passed over, like, what did he mean by that? Was this, was this important? And that's part of the reason why I feel like this one episode of Cartoon Commotion really couldn't do this show, this cartoon, justice. But for now, we're going to focus on the greatest moral lesson or the greatest value I could discover within the series. 
uh, eventually, Jiggy and I will return to it more often than this. But, as I was saying, the Floating Skull would point out a moral dilemma for us, and then the events in the cartoon that would follow it would illustrate that for us and expand on it with specific character developments. And these are some skeleton warriors with Baron Dark, uh, Cyborn, and Shriek. In contrast, the skeleton warriors had no moral dilemmas at all. They would crush anything in their path without worry of the consequences. In the third episode, one member of the Legion of Light, named Ferris, not only admits that he's no soldier, he's he's not a soldier, he, he's like a coward. This is something that he he boasts of being and it's not and it's not like he's happy about it he's just confessing this tremendous tremendous cowardice that he has uh he's so afraid of the skeleton warriors that he'd actually rather switch sides for the promise of immortality and he does i mean it's a long story because in that same episode he comes back, but it's not by his own choosing. He would rather have been a skeleton warrior because he's a coward. He, he's a coward. He would rather die, basically. Because, uh, well, let's continue. So the skeletons can't die, but what kind of existence is it to be a walking skeleton? We have another slide up here of a dagger trying to eat. For starters, eating is questionable at best. There's no real need for any of them to eat, and this is the lackey character, Dagger. He often expresses hunger, and can be seen as this show's eating. And then another slide here, the food is on the floor. There's times where the food literally falls through them and onto the floor. There's no mouth in them, no, no stomach. Food ends up going literally everywhere. Grody to the max. <laughs> All right, uh, another slide here. Then there's also no free will. You're just serving, as Cyborn is here on these hover cycles with Baron Dark. He's, I think it's sort of subconscious because they seem to act with this desire to spread the will of Baron Dark, but they just they just do whatever he commands. So you're serving the whims of the main bad guy, the Baron, and all he wants done is something that you do. You look to fulfill his purposes just because. Like I said, this it just seems subconscious. He doesn't command you to do um, anything that you wouldn't willingly do because he's already converted you into a skeleton warrior. So it's just like it's just constant following in in whatever direction he puts you. After domination. What's left for them? A world of bone and decay and nothing more. As this uh, image illustrates here, sort of. It's just destruction. How gruesome and sad would that be? Just a planet of skeletons where evil reigns supreme. Oh, hey! It looks like we got some more comments in the chat. What's happening, people? All right, George Bueller from Fanatic Forum says, What up, Kate and Jiggy? Great timing on the anniversary. I couldn't agree more. Sherry Edgen says, Oi, oi, oi. Is it an O? Is it O, you, 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 you? Oi, oi, They are scary. George Bueller says, It was an interesting concept, plus the heroes 
looked just as monstrous as, as the bad guys. Uh, okay, kinda. I, I think I think he's talking about this in um, uh, Skeleton where They have sort of like skeleton um, armor and stuff. I think it's just to keep everything in theme, though, George. I'm not sure if that's necessarily... I don't find it threatening or scary. Uh, Sherry Edgen says, You do bring some odd cartoons to your followers. I appreciate the work you do to enlighten us. Oh, thank you so much. I think you're going to like what I have planned here. This is just the beginning. Mr. B-Man says, Scary looking. Eric Grant says, Hello, everyone. And... Sherry Edgen is saying hi to Eric and George. Again, if you are here live, feel free to jump in the chat. Thank you bunches for being here, friends. We'll get back to the chat in just a little bit, but there's, as I said, more to the Skeleton Warriors than what we've covered so far. So let's keep going. Alrighty, so the Legion of Light, as the good guys were called, uh, they had a mighty challenge to overcome and only three out of the four founding members had any special abilities. I thought it was strange that they couldn't spread their special abilities, but, you know, Baron Dark could spread his. I guess maybe it's an illustration that evil's just so easily spread. It could be that. Uh, I, I might be overthinking that, but that's kind of what I do. <laughs> uh, so the Baron could spread his grody skeleton ability and, and converts these wicked people into warriors. Whomever resisted would be, uh, you know, like they couldn't be converted or they wouldn't be converted. He'd take them and use them as slaves to build their hover bikes and weapons, as this slide illustrates here. These are slaves in work camps in the show. There are entire factories they, they just commandeer to promote their the building of their devices so humans that wouldn't be converted are turned into slaves you know some parts of this reminded me a lot of world war ii where evil ideas spread and so many people were tortured in camps and made into slaves the humans who refused to be skeletonized or were just incapable of being transformed were camped were in camps and work sites it was a terrible, rough situation to be in. Hey, Jiggy? Jiggy. Yeah, could, could you do a little ditty and clear the air of that depressing moment right there? I, I just, I really don't want to think about that. <laughs> thanks, that's better. Uh, thanks, Bunches, little buddy. I, I think that really helped lighten the mood. Yeah, thank you. Now then, um, moving on. <laughs> there were, there really weren't too many times that I found myself laughing like crazy watching this show. Other than in moments where their crazy Uncle Ursac here, uh, he became majorly unhinged in acts of strangeness. Just flew off the handle. It was, it was intense. There were these times where he... Seriously, there, it's one time where he seriously ran into a massive cavern, just this like uh, kind of base of operations sort of factory thing. It was buried in a long story, but it was about to explode. He ran in there to tell Justin, Prince Justin, to run for his life. And then he just stares at him. I'm not joking. <laughs> he he stares him down like like he's standing there in place in this 
this place that's seconds away from total devastation. These moments of pure insanity really seem to be at the heart of his character's personality for a long time. I mean, he was... He's kind of... He's kind of crazy. He's, I mean, he even one time professed to be crazy. He, he turned to Prince Justin and he said, You could trust me. I'm your crazy uncle. And then I think he winked or, or something. I... <laughs> Uh, he does eventually start to make a little bit more sense towards the tail end of this cartoon, where certain things are revealed to us and cleared up to the point of view of his um, um, mental state. But up until then, it's unclear on if he's mentally unwell or not. And I think that's why the cartoon might have been better if viewed in sort of a binge session rather than weeks apart. Because 13 episode tunes like this have rad story arcs to follow, and they make so much more sense if you don't have a large gap of time to lose any of that essential information. There, you know, there weren't any uh, times, there weren't any times that I noticed where it said, like, previously on, with the narration at the beginning, you know, like, previously on Skeleton Warriors. So, there would have been no way to know exactly what's happened so far if you started in the middle or if you just came in at the end. Besides, uh, besides um, <clears throat> undying skeleton warriors with questionable eating habits, crazy uncles, total planet devastation, and moral lessons from a floating golden space skull, what exactly kept us in interested in this cartoon? Well, I mean, I guess if you need more than that. Oh, so you thought that was all we were gonna do, uh-uh! Now it's time for part two! If you ever did decide to check out this gnarly cartoon out at, you know, at all, I can bet you'd for sure enjoy the character called Grimskull. I mentioned him just briefly earlier. Unless, of course, you're in the presence of puppies or small children. <laughs> I, know, I know, Jiggy. It's an inside joke, I guess, and you'd probably understand that if you watched the first episode. It's definitely a cheesy moment, and we love those. <laughs> we'll totally be sharing that in, a, in the near future on Facebook, probably, like a best of Grimskull highlight reel or something. And we'll probably bring that into a video at some point. But just for a little clarity, the Lightstar Royal family's crazy uncle we mentioned earlier, Ursac, gave the three of them code names, the three children of the royal family, in a sorta G.I. Joe style. Um, the four of them combined became the founding members of the Legion of Light after the first episode of the series. And those founding members are, or were, Prince Justin, who became Prince Lightstar, Princess Jennifer, who became Talon, Ursac, who became Guardian, and just just a little tangent real quick. <laughs> You're gonna love this. In the in the intro, if you've never heard the intro, it's like at the end it's like uh, Guardian shouts the battle cry, and I can't get over the fact that that's kind of that's what he's known for like he shouts the battle cry legion of light i mean as if he could be known for anything i guess that's a pretty cool thing to be known for but he doesn't have any special powers it's just that he he can shout the battle cry so there's that 
<laughs> um, well, and finally, we have Grimskull, who was Joshua. Oh, r right on, Jiggy. If if you have something to add, feel free, bro, P buddy. Whatever you want to say, toss toss it on in. Oh, yeah. J Jiggy, that's a really good reminder. We were talking about this a bit earlier in our rewatch of the show. Most characters that go through a redemption arc like this follow a very similar path. They'll first suddenly realize that they've made mistakes and turn around, struggling with everyone around them to accept that they've changed, and only after a good long while, they'll most likely be redeemed in the eyes of... Well, not just their fellow characters, but also the audience. Because we form connections with flawed characters, because they're not perfect. And I think most people can agree with that. And, but even if not, and I'm interested, I, I'm, I'm interested in your own takes on this, friends. Feel free to jump in the comments at any time. Uh, real quick, I gotta say, as a believer in Jesus Christ as my personal savior from my sins, this relates heavily with the message of salvation. I, I don't want to make this a religious or political show, but just in case you didn't know, Jesus is my redemption, and if you'd ever like to ask me anything about that, my email's on cartooncommotion.com. That's one word, cartooncommotion.com. Redemption is the key to the whole deal with Skeleton Warriors and Joshua. In episode three, Talon because that's what she's renamed as. Talon tells Grimskull that he didn't turn evil when he became one of them. And then she quickly regrets it when he says, I didn't become a skeleton warrior. I, I just became a man who knows his own capacity for evil. Powerful words. You might say that this form was sort of cooler than when he was just Joshua. Either way, it totally brought out that deep and poetic side of him to this. It, it just brought that to the surface. Like an edgy poem dropping leather wearing cool cat or something. <laughs> Joshua was really the starting point of the whole shebang. Uh, the only reason that any of this skeleton business happened at all. I wouldn't say that he sought after evil, but he wanted glory for himself and he tried to take it from his brother. And I have a slide right here of that encounter with um, uh, with Talon. It's not that specific moment, but it kind of captures the feeling where he said that he is not, he didn't become a skeleton warrior. He just became a man who knows his own capacity for evil. Just flashing back there for a second. Justin, his brother, his older brother, was already made king, and he was king after their father's death. So, I'm, I'm guessing this series sort of starts shortly after their father's death. Joshua knew that's what his father really wanted, but he refused to believe it, and he told him to quit playing king. So, this is, this is Justin. This is a picture of Justin at the castle. And he's kind of upset because they just had a fight, and this is a picture of their fight, and I know what it looks like. It looks kind of like... They're wielding lightsabers. <laughs> they clashed in a little itty-bitty sword fight. And due to the lack of a better term, this was a knockoff low-grade lightsaber duel. But a touch more on the medieval side with swords that looked more like 
real swords. And after their sister told them to knock it off, she literally came in and was just like, knock it off! <laughs> Joshua went to the one person promising him power and a way to help him. Or, or, or maybe the people, but basically a way to overthrow the kingdom. And that person was the totally trustworthy and not at all evil Baron Dark. <laughs> I know, Jiggy. I could not agree with you more on that one. His name was screaming, Red Flag! Red Flag! How is no one ever suspicious of people with evil names? Well, like I said, Joshua was desperate for power, so even though everything was so very clearly stupid to anyone who could see through those self-serving desires, he went ahead and agreed to steal the power source for the entire city, the Lightstar Crystal. Joshua was also the only way that Dark could get his hands on that thing because uh, he had the clearance to access the chamber that holds it. And of course, Dark actually wanted the power of the crystal all to himself. And here we have a picture of their city going to shambles. Nice, Josh. Good going, man. Now the city's in chaos and you're stuck in a room with a madman. I hope you're happy. <laughs> well, Justin and Jennifer came running in uh, to keep the crystal out of Baron Dark's hands. And that's when we got into an itty bitty tug of war with the crystal. And then it was somehow split in two halves. Huh. I guess they don't make crystals like they used to. Uh, unless crystals just work differently on the planet of Luminaire, Lu Lumiere. Uh, that could be true. Oh, hang on a second. Before we continue, we've got some more comments in the live chat now. Okay, whoa, we got loads of comments. Uh, Sherry, I just say, jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. Jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. Eric Grant. Hiya, Eric. Finally made it again. Hello there, Sherry Edgen, Mr. B-Man and George. Hey, Sherry. Everyone's saying hi to each other. Hiya, George. Hiya, Sherry. Hiya, Eric. Grody Skeleton. <laughs> Eric Grant says, Grody Skeleton is my new band name. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's great, Eric. That, that should be on a poster. Grody Skeleton. Mr. B-Man says, Does Jiggy watch these cartoons with you? I was wondering if he had something to add to the discussion. Oh, Mr. B-Man, I think you missed it. I'm not sure, but he's he's been here. He just was talking about the arc uh, that a character typically goes through with um, Redemption. So he is here, and he's got more to say. He'll be back. Won't you, little buddy? Good, good. He's got more to say. Okay. Uh, Callie Hawkins says, Well, well, well. Mom Hands is here. Skel skulls skulls are pretty scary. Skull it sounds weird when I put the S in but Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole concept of the show was basically there was like some evil sort of story shown to uh, kids. And I gotta, I gotta dig into this better. But basically, they would point out the the um, skeleton in the story, and they would yell "monster." I, I gotta read up on that and make sure I'm right. But yeah, that is scary. Um, Callie Hawkins says, "I'll take your word for it. Not interested in eyes." 
uh, eyes. It's an emoji of eyeballs. Callie, could you clarify on that? Eric Grant says, not much. Oh, oh, she's responding to Callie. She, he says, he's responding to Callie, and he says, not much. It's morning here in Australia, so I'm uh, drinking my obligatory morning tea. How are you? All right, so they're they're talking. Julian Murray says, "Yay, crazy uncle!" Yeah, Jay, he's he's awesome, and he gets even better at the the more you watch. It's free on YouTube, guys. So if you ever want to see Skeleton Warriors, it's free. The entirety of the show. Mr. B Man says, "Everyone loves seeing the underdog gain redemption." But Jesus is the only one who can really give it. That's so true. And it's just, you know, it just very much relates to that message here because it deals with an internal um, an internal struggle between good and evil and it being redeemed. It's it's there's more to this. Callie says the eyeballs mean watching. Well, good to know. Thank you for being here. And remember people, it is a live it's a live show if you're here live. Join in the comments. We'd love to have you. Thank you for being a part of the commotion, friends. Remember to invite the homies that you know so they can join the commotion with us. Now on to the next slide. Uh, <laughs> now then, this is Baron Dark. And Baron Dark's half of the crystal, as I said in the breakdown, changed him into a powerful skeleton being. He became the leader, or backbone, of the skeleton apocalypse. That <laughs> also bestowed strange powers to both Jessica and... Oh, nope. Not Jessica. Sorry. This is... That's the wrong name. The correct... I, I don't think it's Jessica. I get it mixed up sometimes. It's Jennifer. Jennifer. Sorry about that. Somebody messaged me a little bit ago named Jessica. And that, that flip-flopped in my brain. Uh, but where was I? Okay, so um, Jennifer and Justin. Uh, Jennifer became Talon. She got the power of flight and great eyesight to match her bird name. And this is her flying. And this is a picture of Justin's power. Justin could actually shoot energy bursts from his hands and his sword. Even though he mostly just uses his hands and somehow later on the sword is connected to the crystal. It's 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 kind of unclear how this works, but it's kind of unimportant really. And uh, this is an image. This is this is kind of where it all started for Joshua uh, becoming Grimskull. He was caught in the middle of the blast. Realizing that he had made a mistake, he jumped in to return the crystal before it was too late. And he wound up getting the worst of the energy burst right in the center of the blast. Though you might think that his powers and newfound, uh, newfound identity are both much cooler than his sibs, he was visually deformed as a reminder of his sins. As Grimskull, he has the power to walk between the shadows using them as portals to travel great distances and even survive through uh, tough situations. It's really neat. <laughs> Yet, he has a much greater struggle now. Not only does he have to make amends with his family, but also the public and the whole world. And on top of all of that, Baron Dark has a constant mental link with him. <laughs> 
Uh, Correctamundo, little buddy. Talon and Prince Lightstar couldn't be turned into skeleton warriors, but Joshua totally could. Not to mention, this mental link thing was a way for Baron Dark to provoke, as seen here. This is in his mind. This is not real. This is Baron Dark provoking, and, and he would attack his mind over and over again. It takes at least six episodes of the show before he's truly able to defeat these mental attacks. Until around episode eight, he's unable to shield himself from the Baron's control entirely. And even after that, I'm not sure he's truly over it, but it's kind of hard to say. We can safely assume that Joshua as Grimskull easily becomes the most relatable character in the series. There's another picture of him in his mind. Uh, just tormenting him and provoking him. Being morally imperfect could be considered so average in most cartoons, but here, that's exactly why it works so well. His siblings, Justin and Jennifer, are basically shining beacons of good in their world, very rarely showing any sign of being imperfect or, or flawed. Josh is a perfect example of someone who is forced to live with a constant reminder of his tragic sins. Over time, he is forgiven by his family and his people during the war of the skeleton apocalypse, but he's, he's not only fighting hordes of skeletons, he's also fighting to earn back the honor and trust that he threw away in his selfishness and the constant provoking of Baron Dark in his mind. Oh, Jiggy, you have a question. Cool. What's up, little buddy? Oh, yeah. No, no, Jiggy. Grimskull and the Baron don't really... They they wouldn't know what's on each other's minds at all times during the show, but uh, dur during the, you know, the, the entirety of the 13 episodes. But early on, uh, Grimskull confesses that he's always... And I mean, he didn't even, he wasn't even hesitant or like vague. He says he's always fighting off the mental control of Baron Dark. Oddly enough, uh, Joshua could occasionally use this mental link against Baron Dark and get the general fix on his location. It's kind of like zoning in on his position or something. Um, but that could just be plot convenience and sometimes that happens. The ability, as shown here in this image, uh, the ability to move through the shadows is not the absence of light, but rather darkness where light shines. So, you see, I think that even his power represents the struggles of his character. No, oh, you're right, Jiggy. We do have some more comments coming in the chat right now. I am so happy that you're all here and all talking. I, I hope that you're enjoying the show. Galaxy Unicorn Arts says, Hi, Cade! Uh, George Bueller says, I'll have to give the show another look because I haven't watched it since it aired. Well, like I said, it is available on YouTube for free. All 13 episodes, the entire series, and it's worth watching because there's a lot of depth in here that has not been explored. So, George, if you get the chance, check it out on YouTube. Mr. B-Man says he missed Eric's comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, do, do, do. Eric Grant says... This show looks really cool. 
I've never heard of it before. Dude, it's so obscure. Eric, you, you would not believe how obscure it is. Most people, I, I guarantee if there are people here watching, a good majority of them are probably here to figure out what this show even is. <laughs> this cartoon, um, Callie's asking, uh, what year did this come out? It was 1994. I believe I said that in the breakdown. I'm not... I think it was 1994. Yes. 1994. I'm, I'm pretty positive of that. Mr. B-Man says, What would you do if you could shoot something from your hands? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, I would probably... Um, I, I'll get back to you on that. I actually have no idea. <laughs> yep. Eric Grant confirms it was 1994. Mr. B-Man says, depends on what the something... Oh, no, sorry. Eric Grant is answering Mr. B-Man. He says, depends depends on what the something is. <laughs> Callie says, depends on what I can shoot out of my hands. Watermelon, fire, ice cream. <laughs> okay, you guys. You guys, this is going so, uh, so off the wall. Uh, Callie's saying, thanks, Eric. It was so long ago. 1994. So, so well. Sherry, Sherry Edgen says, I like the character of Talon. She is a big part of Skeleton Warriors. Yes, she is. She uh, had a really good part to play in that episode three. And that was, I believe, getting Ferris to come back to the, coming back to the light. Or the Legion of Light, to say. George Bueller says, I think the toys had a longer shelf life than the show. You're kind of right and also kind of wrong. I'll get to that. George, if you stick around to the end of the show, you'll know at the end of this show today, the end of this episode, you will know exactly how the Skeleton Warriors ended. And that's all the comments I have right now. Thank you for being a part of the commotion, people. Homies, home slices, there's a bit more to go over, so stick around, because we're not done just yet. So this was a picture of Grimskull uh, going through the shadows. That's his power set. And it's, and it's a wonderful power, and it, and it represents his struggles as well. Grimskull was so perfectly used to explore and represent this struggle of good and evil within a person. Someone dealing with selfishness, poor choices, rebellion, and trustworthiness. And then as a story of redemption and heroism. But you might not guess that it's really how he was not used that presented the best conclusion to his character's arc. Alright, let's wrap this up real nice with Part 3. You know, uh, this is, okay, this is Grimskull's purpose. You know, we always pay attention to how a character is used or focused on. Uh, it gives us something to connect with in a story, and it and stories can help us be really introspective and learn from those characters' lives to better our own lives. Uh, but we don't always pay attention close, you know, we don't always pay close attention to how characters aren't used. This cartoon did a fantastic job of setting up a redemption arc for Grimskull. So in the final two episodes, we're expecting, or at least Jiggy and I were expecting Grimskull to be the hero of the story. Wasn't that right, little buddy? Yeah, it, it felt natural. 
obviously it felt right, but instead, much like before, Prince Lightstar kind of took the lead here, and he got the main battle with Baron Dark, and he gets to save his people. I won't say exactly how, in case you haven't seen this show. Like I said, it's all on YouTube, so you should go watch it sometime. It's really worth it. Grimskull takes half of their crystal, as shown here. Uh, and then he he's uh, instructed by their crazy uncle, leaping through shadows to keep it away from the Baron. And eventually they duel. And this is a picture of their duel on a bridge. And the Baron and um, Josh, they fight. And it appears that Josh, as Grimskull, has lost the battle. But what actually happens is that... Um, and here's a picture of him losing the battle. He's being he's dangling off of the side of the bridge. And it's, it's a pretty sad moment. It's sort of a conclusion moment. You sort of feel like it, it could happen here. Uh, that he could die. And, you know, this cartoon didn't really shy away from the possibility of death so like death was a very much a possibility I think there were off-screen deaths and there were cars crashing and clearly people in their world had previously died during the skeleton apocalypse so it, it's death is possibility during this duel um, like I said it appears that Josh has lost the battle and that he died uh, I was getting to that part. He, it seemed that he died. But what actually happens is that Grimskull uses the shadows to hide out. And he just acts like he perished in that battle because he helps better from the shadows. When, when he's in the shadows, people can't see where he's coming from. And, and you can't tell where he is at all times. And being perceived as dead, he could get away with a lot more in the war because he wasn't being sought after. He was already dead. So, okay, think about that. Think about what that means for a second here. Before he became Grimskull, Josh wanted to rule over the people of Luminicity big time. He desired major power. And this is a picture of him coming out of the shadows to talk to his brother, Justin. He was turned into Grimskull in the realization of his bad deeds, uh, his misdeeds, his, his sins. But then he worked his way to clear his name and even tried to take on Dark all by his lonesome to avenge those sins and, and make amends for that. Then in the climax, he spends most of his time in those shadows, allowing someone else, namely his brother and his father, like as his father intended, to take the lead and to save everyone. This is a picture of Justin dueling with Marin um, Dark. Now coming back to the Legion of Light with Talon and Guardian, Justin and Grimskull. The best use of his character was in him learning when not to make a move and when to help his brother achieve greatness instead of seeking that for himself. This whole... This, this is a whole lot of depth for a 13-episode series. But don't get me wrong, it's still tons of fun to watch. I mean, with loads of ch cheesy and unhinged moments throughout it, too. So don't count it out just because it's intense. The intensity makes it just more memorable. Yeah, okay, yes. Jiggy has something more to add. What's up, little buddy? 
Oh, totally! Yeah, there's always a few basic reasons why cartoons like this couldn't make it past season one. George, this is what you've been waiting for. Let's talk about why this cartoon didn't last. So you get all this intensity, you get all this cheese, all this value. But it usually always comes down to ex uh, obscurity, toy sales, executives, and or a combination of those things. We have one more slide for you. It's a picture of the Skeleton Warriors figures. This cartoon's flopping was due to the unfortunate truth that the Playmates toy line for this started off with the bad guys. Like, that's, that's the first wave of figures that they released to the public. That Sure, the kids dug them, because they looked cool. They looked awesome, but parents weren't typically ready and willing to drop cash money, cash moolah, on a whole wave of evil, okay? The, the good guys didn't hit store shelves until the following year in 1995. So this was 1994. You get all the Skeleton Warriors. And then 1995. You get the heroes. And they didn't... Sherry Edgen. They didn't even release Talon in that line. So Talon to this day has never had a figure. And she really should have had one because it's kind of like, and I've heard it quoted this way, so this is not my quote, but I read about it this way on a blog. Uh, it's like releasing the Fantastic Four without the Invisible Woman. <laughs> it, it really is because there's four main heroes and she's the, you know, the woman of the four and she didn't even get a part to play in the toy line. It's, it's a shame because, okay, so... The good guys came out the following year in 1995, and by then, the cartoon and everything else, everything, had already been canceled because of those to poor sales. Because nobody wants an like the parents didn't want to buy their children an entire wave of evil. It's a shame because there was so much more value in this cartoon than just the skeleton warriors themselves. There's a ton of great cartoons. They get overlooked because they just weren't as popular, and this one got overlooked because of poor toy sales in one of the worst ways possible. The toy company that put these out just... Um, Playmates. They weren't thinking. They weren't thinking! Playmates is still around, they're still doing stuff with the turtles and stuff, and they, and they did well with the turtles. But like, imagine releasing the Ninja Turtles! with only the villains, and you don't have a single turtle. It's just... What were you thinking, Playmates? What... What in the world were you thinking? Oh, boy. Rightio, Jiggy. Let us check in one more time with... Uh, the chat. Let's see. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Sherry Edgen says, I can't remember what was Grimskull's friend. I can't remember... It's been a while since I watched it when it aired in 1994. Um, okay, Ka Callie says, Grimskull's friend was Luca. He came during episode 21. Uh, there is no 21. <laughs> yeah. And she then says, sorry, wrong show. And then she says, I know, right? I remember that. I always thought that was crazy. I think you guys are on a whole nother trail right now. Uh, he did get a friend, um, a dog friend, uh, that he named Stalker. And it was another cheesy moment because he was like, 
he was literally being followed around by the dog, and somehow it's like a wolf, and somehow he would just follow him no matter where he portaled. Like he would go through a shadow, wind up somewhere else, go through a shadow, wind up somewhere else. So he named him Stalker. And yeah, so I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Geek out with Roscoe says, "Awesome! Hey, hiya, Roscoe! Hiya, everybody! Hey, everybody!" George Wheeler says, "Typically, female figures are low sellers in a male-focused toy line." Yes, that's probably that could be why that didn't happen. But I still don't think that's any excuse because. I mean, even, you know, as a kid, I think I would want the entirety of the Fantastic Four and I would want and I would want the Invisible Woman. So, George, to be fair, to be fair, George, I, I would probably want Talon if I was buying all of the figures. I uh, definitely want a Grimskull figure after this. Uh, Geek Out with Roscoe says, someone with this awesome community sent me an AOK, -okay, which has Skeleton Warriors issue number one. Wow! Rock on! Yes, they did have comic books. I'm not sure exactly how long those lasted. I didn't look into the comic line uh, very well. It was mostly focused on the show. I've seen the entirety of the series, and I'm pulling information from watching it, as well as uh, additional information I've researched. So, uh, but I, did, I didn't look too hard into the comic book line. You're going to have to let me know how long that lasted. Uh, or maybe I'll just figure it out after the show. Mr. B-Man says, I thought David Banner was a man believed dead and must let the world think that he's dead. Oh, Bruce, Bruce, B David Banner, David, uh, Hulk. Kinda. Kinda like that. Very much kinda like that. Uh, Sherry Edgen says, yeah, it was Stalker. I remember now. Thank you, Kate. No problem. No problemo. Eric Grant says, hello there, Geek Out with Roscoe, and they're saying hiya. Hiya, friends. Sherry Edgen says, girl power. Execs need to realize that we need rep representation. Yeah, you know, honest, no, I agree. Talon should be a part of the show. Like, she was a part of the show, so she should have been a part of the toy line. And it just kind of feels unfair that it ended before she even got the chance to be a toy. Like, really, guys? Like, why did you lead? Like, if you're going to release figures... Put out the bad guys, some bad guys with some good guys. Really. Just just some. <laughs> like, just, you know, they had the main bad guys. They had all of them. Uh, you know, you could have come out with Justin and Grimskull, maybe. You could have come out with Justin, Grimskull, Talon, and Guardian. And then, like, maybe two Skeleton Warriors to start, or three. And then skip ahead and, and stuff. Uh... Callie, you're saying that you can't see George in the chat. That's because he's on Facebook and you're on YouTube. We stream live on Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. So if you want to see George's comments, they're over on Facebook. But it's available on both platforms, so you're not missing anything. I'm bringing them up here. George Bueller says there were lots of toy lines that didn't include major major female figures. Mask, Cops, He-Man, etc. George, is, it's, really not, it's really not an argument here. It's just that... It's just that it would be cool if they had included her because she was a part of the main, you know, adventure. And, and she's... This was a 13-episode series. It didn't even get past uh, one season. So it feels unfair to her specifically in this situation. At, at least that's what I see. Um, Callie says, how come I... Oh, you already said that. Callie says, hey, Jay, you still here? Jay man, Jay money, you still here? 
Geek out with Roscoe, Sis. Skeleton Warriors was a four-issue miniseries. Okay, see, I thought it was a short-lived series. It was a four-issue miniseries from Marvel in 1995. So the year after the series had aired on TV, did it just adapt the cartoon? I'm, be I'm betting that it just adapted the animated series. That's probably what happened. George says, I agree, it would be cool. It's just a history of bad decisions. You're so right, George. It is a very sad situation because they had they they made a terrible decision in this ultimately just like leading with bad guys because it set the tone for the rest of the toy line like why would they come back and buy the heroes they didn't even know they were there <laughs> um eric grant i'm so sorry you gotta go i uh, hope you can catch the replay but thank you for being here it's been a pleasure uh you're you're always welcome thank you for being a supporter and Callie Hawkins says, Bye, Eric. Have a good morning. Because Eric is over there in Australia. Mr. B-Man says, See ya, Eric. All right, everybody. I, I just want to say thanks bunches. They just thank you bunches, friends, for, for being here and making this a ton of fun. Jiggy and I could not do the show without you. Yes, because you put the commotion in Cartoon Commotion. Friends, Jiggy and I, we, we don't get a cent for the production of this show. As of right now, we're putting everything back that we're getting into the making of this show and making it even better for you and everyone watching. So if you are able to help support us at all, we're not begging, but we would like to ask you to help us and buy a cookie. We do have a little graphic in the type right, top right-hand corner. Buy a cookie. And so if you're able to support support us at all buy us a cookie the link is in the description it would be mondo radical if you did again remember that supporters will soon be getting access to an exclusive micro documentary style uh, retrospective and we'll be doing more of those called specials and that'll be starting with batman mask of the phantasm that's gonna be huge go <laughs> thank you for the reminder jiggy uh, homies don't forget that you can all tune in on September 30th of 2023, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a live deep dive retrospective on the first ever cartoon to be named after the bad guys in Humanoids. <laughs> that was predating this one. That was that was before this. And happy anniversary to Skeleton Warriors. Until then, stay golden like the freaky golden skull with all those moral inquisitions. And remember... To keep it unreal, Frienderitos. If you enjoyed the show, the only way it grows is if you share it with a homie. So think and now. Come join the commotion. Cartoon commotion. Come join the commotion. Yeah, cartoon commotion. Cookie shout out. Eric Grant. Carrie Cube. John Ellis. Legion of Comics. Marja Sullivan. Sherry Edgett. Kate Utterback. And of course, ToySoccer.com. And just in case you forgot, in the last 60 minutes, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the Cereal Box Network. CerealBoxNetwork.com. Lay us out, Jiggy.